Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Welsh Rugby Podcast. We're back after a couple of weeks away. We do apologise for that, uh, a little post-World Cup blip, but we're back recording. I'm joined, as always, by Stefan Thomas and we've got a special guest today, former Ospreys and Dragons front rower Hugh Gustafsson, uh, who also holds, as we just talked about pre-podcast, uh, a fair few roles at the minute. Hugh, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah, really good. You now coming towards a bit of a... A busy period for the university and for the whites as well. So trying to get as many games in a week as possible in my end. So uh, a busy trip up to Durham this afternoon. Oh, I didn't realise you were on the road this afternoon. Yeah, oh, seven God, hours on the bus with the boys, but you know, positive mentality. Get up there, try to get a win tomorrow. Oh man, I imagine, I imagine it's never ending with with Bucks rugby and obviously the whites and everything. It must be yeah. seven days is enough, is it? Well, I get one day off on a Sunday, which is my boys' rugby day. Then, so I go watch him play. Then, which is a bit, no, big, big exciting for me as a dad. Fantastic! Um, plenty to talk about on today's um, podcast. Uh, a lot of rugby action from the weekend. Um, I guess there's only one place to start, and that's in in Swansea, where we saw the Ospreys hammer the Scarlets. Steph, you were there. Um, you were brave in the rain while I was. Sitting at home watching on TV. Um, what did you make of it all? Yeah, it was um, it was full of blood. Did <laughs> can uh, can say that again? Um, no, I think you know. The, realistically, the, there was only one team in it. Um, I know the Scarlets took an early lead, but the Ospreys pack were just dominant throughout. Um, it's all well and good sort of scrutinising the Scarlets' game, but. Ultimately, you know, if you lose the collisions to the extent that they did, you know, the, the scrum had a hide in as well. Um, and the, and the, you know, if, if you haven't got that platform, then nine times out of ten, you know, you, you're not going to win a game of rugby. And the Ospreys are just so good in the fundamentals of the game scrum, set piece, driver line out as a big, big weapon of theirs. And there was just so much clarity about what they were doing. And they just ground the Scarlets down and just, just overpowered them. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think Toby Booth is doing a good job at the Ospreys. They got some good fall. Obviously, they got their their Welsh contingent like Nicky Smith had a great game. Uh, Dewey Lake played well, Arden Beard, but also like James Fenders come through really strongly. Um, sorry, it, when I talk about the Wales contingent, he's not Welsh international, but Tom Both is worth his weight in gold as well. Uh, he's played so many games for them, and he, he you know he, he he's a really key player for them. But um, Ruben Morgan Williams at nine is playing well as well, so. Um, yeah, it was a it was a really strong performance for them. Um, Scarless will, you know, from their point of view, they'll be concerned. I don't really see where their next win is coming from, to be honest. Got some tough fixtures coming up, but um, yeah, um, on a positive side note, the the Ospreys are really good and uh, thoroughly deserve the win. Because Hugh, I mean, as a as a former front row, I guess when you have days like that, when the pack is just so dominant, it's just it must be so satisfying, mustn't it? Yeah, it controls the game. Like the scrum penalties, the exits, they actually got scrums and they don't try to end up with a penalty in the halfway line from a kick from from a scrum pen. So the scrum can be so effective. And um, the rugby purist, it actually becomes, you know, like what they do in, you know, they look for double shoves. But it's easy yards for the Ospreys at the end, get a penalty they don't try to end up in the halfway with a, a line of attack. So it's rewarding and it's probably the unseen work. Even Reese Henry came on with the, the front row of Sam Parry, Garth Thomas, and Reese Henry almost like their version of Bomb Squad. They came on and they were doing the same thing. So it wasn't just both uh, Dewey and uh, Nicky. It was another three that came on and did the job as well. And I thought that was very destructive in the six of them. 
Absolutely. And I mean, there's so much talk at the minute in, in Welsh rugby about squad depth and, and that. And, you know, sometimes you can you can be at matches and you can look at the team sheets and you can think, right, the bench looks a bit lighter just because of the nature of the, the smaller squads and the smaller budgets. But as you say, having a front row like that to come on is massive. Um, and obviously, you know, you, I imagine you know most of that pack pretty well. Um, and, and as Steph says, Toby's doing a good job there. They know, the thing with the Ospreys is they know their strengths. I think that's the the, the biggest thing about them, isn't it? Yeah, the big thing for me, they also have the DNA and they kind of found it under Toby a little bit and they know what they're really strong at. Now they've got Kieran Williams at 12, the old Scott Gibbs kind of replacement and, you know, gets gain length for them and they can work around them. I thought Morgan Morris, since I coached him in Swansea RFC a few years back, broke through the Prem. I think he had 21 games and was uh, forced coach for the Whites. Doing exactly the same in the West Premiership, come through and he's just developed into a, I think, phenomenal number eight. Um, limited, obviously, a set-piece line-up jump in. Horse, of course, is he's probably one of the most destructive ball carriers in Wales at the moment. Um, and then you've got Jack Morgan, and I felt was uh, head and shoulders above everybody I gotta be honest, watching that live with my boys, I thought Jack Morgan was another level with from everybody on the field. Turnovers, line breaks, defensive shots. I thought, you know, with a balanced back row like I thought it was really good to watch. That's the thing, because I mean <laughs> you lose Justin Tiprick for two months and you know, there's there's not many players you can feel sort of assured that you're not gonna miss him too much, but I think Jack Morgan's one of those, isn't he? Yeah, look, they probably feel sorry about Justin. I know this injury now, but hopefully it's not as bad as he'll be back in a few weeks' time. But at the moment, before the Wales call-ups in the Six Nations, Jackson will be a phenomenal job with that back row. And there's a few big games coming up for the Ospreys. And I think if they get some clarity and party up front, I think the backline, the young backline they've got, could be exciting. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned Kieran Williams there. He missed the week before against the Dragons um, with concussion. They're just a different team with him and without him, aren't they? Just, just what he offers. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know where he is in the Wales picture. To be honest, I don't think. I don't know if Warren Gatland was that sort of impressed with him in the warm-ups. But for the Ospreys, again, he is worth his weight in gold. Well, I've never seen many twelve score for back of a all as many tries he scored the last couple of seasons. No, but the old-fashioned. No, like you said, up front you got. No scrum that's going forward. We got twelve. I guess you gain lines. It's easy for forwards to fold in, into the game or find a quick edge. You get gain in our midfield from Kira, and you get a quicker edge, and that's where you see. Uh, no, these boys find an edge. Like Max Nagy, wingers. Kira gets back. You find these edges from Kieran's just his dense midfield. Absolutely, um, Steph. You mentioned you don't find many centres going off the back of malls. I mean, we've seen hookers have been dominating the try scoring shots uh, lately maybe that's one way of just getting the backs back involved again but Kieran Williams Steph where do you think he is in terms of of Wales I mean Wales's midfield partnership in, in France was pretty settled with Nick Tompkins and George North but when you see what he can do on the weekend surely he's got to be forcing his way into the Six Nations yeah, you, you'd have thought so it's, it's obviously very difficult to read Warren Gatland to be honest um I, th- I always got the impression that the Gatland wanted um, wanted Johnny Williams to be that twelve, but he's had a few injuries, and because he he's obviously a big explosive carrier, he's had a few injuries, and he hasn't really been in top form because of that. But if you're picking on form, you'd have Kieran Williams at the very least in the squad. 
as you said, you know, Nick Tompkins and George North had a good World Cup. I thought Tompkins was the unsung hero, really. I thought he was outstanding and offered something a little bit different than we've seen from from people wearing the 12 shirt in Wales of late. But, you know, the the lot of, I get a lot of people I ask, like like my dad, for example, right? I don't want to embarrass him, but I said, you know, well, what do you make of Kieran Williams? And he goes, oh, you know, he's, he's a really good player. He's outstanding. But is he big enough for international level? But I, I just think, you know, if you're playing as well as he's playing, if you're as physical as he is, as explosive, you know, he's got good footwork. I just think he deserves an opportunity. Um, and, yet, you know, he came off the bench against England and people blamed him a bit for that that exit against uh, England, you know, the, the game we lost to Twickenham. But I just think, you know, the more he plays international rugby, there'll be some mistakes, but the more he learn. And when I look at him, he's physical, he can get over the gain line, he's got good footwork, his distribution's underrated as well. And you can never say for definite he's international class unless he actually has a run of games. But I think at the very least, he's earned the right to be in that squad. So I, I, I think he deserves to be there. That's an interesting point. I think maybe the same goes for Morgan Morris. Um, that, that idea of, is he big enough for test rugby? I mean, in coaching circles, Hugh, how much, how much is that discussed? Cause you know, I've, I've spoken to ex players and, and sometimes it's not how big you are. It's, it's whether you're powerful enough for test rugby size maybe doesn't matter as much as the actual punch that you pack it all depends like I've never played test rugby but speaking to Paul James and James Rock they say it's about the speed of the game the, the, so semi-professional semi-pro we just faster but then when you go to Wales or play national rugby the boys it's, it's the speed to everything so I remember the boys I remember playing speaking to the boys when they played New Zealand tour and they said New Zealand were very big and strong they just repeated stuff so quickly um, so, but look at Jack Morgan. You can you can go about size and height. I think you're the best ball carriers in the World Cup. Um, so I, I think it's what you produce in the field and rugby and the lines you run, how smart you run those lines. Um, so it is probably you do mention some positions like height. You can't have a six foot two second row. It is certain things and tangibles in the game. Like you can't walk around and go look. We, we you know it's not heights on our gear, but you've got to look at the fenders, the Adam beards. How many lineups do they win? So. There's intangibles in the game of height and size, but I think as well, it's positions like back row, centres. Look at scrum halves. Like you go one aspect of having Mike Phillips, and you got someone else like Ruben. So there's, there's rugby is all shapes and all sizes, but there is aspects of the game we've got to rely on our size, like second rows. Um, look at Dewey Lake. He, he's like a number eight playing hooker. He's a phenomenal athlete. Um, you put him in an eight to the jersey, you wouldn't you wouldn't know the difference. So for me, I, I think Kieran's. A smart player, he's physical, but like the boys I spoke to, the, the boys who have represented Wales, it's the speed of the game. Can you, like the exits, can you think on the moves that quick after repeated carries, repeated hits? I, I think that's the one. But you're never going to know people like Morgan Morris or Kieran unless you have games in those scenarios and those situations. You're going to learn from those mistakes or learn from those visuals you see in the pitch. And until they have a go or fit the mould, it's not just that, there's also a game plan, but Warren sees the game differently to other coaches. Like Toby's got his own philosophy and his own uh, game plan. But as far as Warren, no one, not all coaches ident- you know, the same identity or same philosophy or same ethos. So I don't mean, I mean and Keenan's playing well under Toby's philosophy and his game plan. Well, he might not work for Warren. So like Nick, Nick Tompkins, I thought he was a phenomenal player, played for Sarsons. I felt he didn't play to his best in the Dragons, went back to Sarsons and he had a phenomenal World Cup. So, is Nick 
it's not a dragon's fault. It's not. Nick, I think you just under different philosophies, under different coaches, you see the play best from different players. No, absolutely. Um, another player who played well um, and, and has played well all season really is Max Nagy, as someone you know very well. Um, there's a fair bit of talk a minute about his Welsh qualification, and that's a complicated one. I think Toby Booth said on the weekend that they're still awaiting clarity on that. Obviously, I think he enrolled at the uni September 2018. So in theory, if they encountered his time at university in, in the residency, he'd be qualified for Wales now. If not, I think it's probably next year you're looking at, because I think he'd have graduated before the five-year thing came in. So whatever happens, it's not too long a wait, whether it's either the Six Nations or maybe a year down the line. But he just looks a fantastic talent. I mean, do you remember the first time that you sort of saw him? Yeah, it was quite embarrassing. I'll be honest with you. Um, it's not down to me, we're a rough time. And so university, it's probably where we've gone started. It's become a recruitment business now that we do go out and look for the best players and try to get them across the line. And you're competing against the Loughboroughs, who are in California Mets, who have been dynasties for years. Max Nagy literally texted me saying, I'm coming to university, my friend's giving me your number. And at the time, I was going, right, no problems, open, come down training. He rocks up, worst undercut pair of curtains you've ever seen, set apart and undercut, must have weighed 80 kilograms, stick thin. And I said, what position do you play? He said, uh, I said, back row. He said, no, I'm a fullback. And he's six foot three, six foot four, and he's a big, tall guy. And I was like, Okay, okay, we'll have a look. We'll have a, have a watch. I think he played a friendly against Cardiff Met. I've never seen a guy that small, skinny-wise, be so brave and so physical. And I thought, there's something there. Like, just just backed himself. Bit of self-belief. You could say called arrogance, but bit of self-belief. Um, and he grew um, into a phenomenal player in university. I had to humble him a few times with his kind of... Um, decision making and I had to speak to him about it but one thing about him he's a team player he does like himself which there's nothing wrong with that uh, the kid is dedicated he got helped me get promotion to Super Bucks played every game in promotion season for me he was named full back of the year first year Super Bucks before COVID hit during COVID um, we, we were shut down in university because of but then Pro Game Academy was still training with certain rules. So they asked me if there was anyone I thought during that time would be able to train with the Academy. And I gave two names, Max Nagy and Hugh Sutton. And the outcome of both there. Um, while I was furloughed, I wasn't able to coach. Uh, Paul James saw here when Max and said, look, they're too good to be in the Academy. I'd rather make sell them up to the seniors. And they excelled up and... I think Max scored his debut with an empty Rodney parade during COVID games. And the story set itself then. And I'm always in contact with Max. He always texts me, what should I do? And how do you watch the game? And how do you think I went? So it's still a little bit of that coach, you no, know, I say pupil, but coach student kind of a link. Because when these students leave England, or some, I got some from Tonga, I got some from, from Portugal, from Hong Kong, they leave their families and they kind of isolated for three to four years. And you become almost like a, a mental role for them. And they take a mic. I've had phone calls three o'clock in the morning, you no know, stressing about doing a dissertation. 
And I'm like, relax. So they do kind of treat you in that way. But with Max, he backs himself. And look, you saw that chip and chase during the Scars game. And Toby said, see, he's pulled off. Sub, though he's a hero and the hero works. And I've seen Max Nagy do that probably several times. I see him pulling up and under in the opposition 22. And I thought, what are you doing? And then he jumps over the fullback's head and scores. So, he, so one thing he will do, he'll back himself. I think he broke through his first year. I think he had a tough year last year trying to find himself in pro rugby, probably trying to kick too much, trying to dip back his kind of what he is. And you see some of the top ball you know, carriers for the Ospreys with those stats. So for me, I think he's found his identity back again, being a bit backing himself in those ball returns. Absolutely. Because, um, Steph, we are in a funny place at the minute with fullback, aren't we? Obviously, we've had Liam Williams and Lee Halfpenny for so long and for different reasons, they're both sort of leaving the test game and there's almost a danger now that you're, you're scrabbling around for the next option and we've got a, a lot of options now in, in Wales who probably well, realistically, aren't quite there in terms of Test Rugby. Uh, Cam Winnett's looked really good this season, but, you know, again, he's he's still sort of learning pro rugby. Jacob Beetham's even had, you know, less time. He's coming back from a, a very long-term injury. Um, Nagy, as we say, Kai Evans uh, actually maybe looks the most test-ready of all the options. What would you do at fullback in the Six Nations? Obviously, you've got Josh Adams, Lewis Rees-Samet, who can probably hold down the position while we develop those other players? I, th- I think, um, you know, obviously Warren Gatland has been quite clear, well, you, even before the World Cup, that th- there's going to be some pain, I suppose, in terms of blood in players over the next couple of years. Uh, and if you were to, uh, as we discussed off air, you know, if there's going to be a boat in the squad, it's probably going to be at fullback, or that would be one position. So he's not necessarily a bolter but I, th- I think you know as you said I agree with you I think Kai Evans is probably he looks most likely to step up to international at the moment because he doesn't make many mistakes he's got a big boot in him he's very solid um, good positional sense and whatnot and he's obviously trained with them so I'd expect Kai to be there um, Cam Winner's played really well whether he's got the what's, what it takes to go to the next level I'm, I'm not sure but he's in in contention but I think I don't know, I, I just think that perhaps given, I know he didn't have his greatest game in the weekend, but Rio Daya obviously has been, he, he, he's improved massively for Wales over the last year or so. So I think he's close to a starting spot on the wing. So I think that perhaps Gatland might start by either moving Josh Adams or Louis Rissam at full-back. I think he might, he might start off that way and then start easing I don't know, maybe Kai Evans would be the first carb off the rank. They'll try him. Um, Winnet might be in, in in the conversation. I, I think they probably settle on Tom Rogers as a wing, not a full-back. I think he might be a bit too loose for Gatlin's liking. But So I think he'll, he, he, he'll bring a few youngsters into the squad. Um, but I think he might start off with either Adams or Zamit at full-back for the Scotland game of the Six Nations. I, I think Kai Evans fits a half-penny mould because he loves a goal-kicker. And Kaiser very well when he played for Swansea, he used to come down and have a game of Swansea. His goal kicking, the guy is a bit like Lee. He lives and breathes his goal kicking. And I think that gives you a different aspect than a 10. You don't really need to rely on because we've lost Dan now to retirement. Then who's going to be the goal kicker stepping up? And you look at Kai. Kai is probably quite prolific as a goal kicker. And he's 
pretty quite obsessive with his goal kicking. You know, he he lives and breathes it. So does he fit that Lee Halfpenny mold as that extra goal kicker on the field? The guy who can rely those those pick those three points, build the score. Um, but I thought Cam Winnett's been excellent. I thought he's been excellent in the twenties. Watched him in the twenties. I think he's a brave. He's been playing well for Cardiff as well prior. Set up to the, you know, the seniors environment, playing in the in the Indigo League. I think he's been excellent there as well. So I think there's a bright future at him. I think biggest thing for me, there's no Wales there. There's nothing we can judge them on. So we have to be brave. So either we, we go, like you said, Louis Rissamet, Josh Adams, and moving a 10 to full back, you know, these situations we can have a look around that. But going back to Keane Williams and Morgan Morris, how do you judge these players playing international rugby when the only thing they have to do is play international rugby? The next stop is Six Nations. So, do you go for someone new and keep two senior set of wingers with them? So, you've got that kind of maturity to side along, or do you keep three mature back three players? So, it's kind of what Warren sees it as is it going to be a development of Six Nations, or is it going to go, are going to, need to win it and then try the summer blood in these players, or is it going to blood one or two in his camp and blend them with the senior boys? It's kind of decisions going to be made. Another player that fits, you know, you know, you mentioned Morgan Morris and Kieran Williams. Obviously, Morgan Morris especially outstanding at club level, but there's no Wales here, so it's hard to to bridge that gap. Totally different position, but Johan Lloyd is probably in that bracket as well. I know he got capped like three years ago, but he weren't ready then. Even the, the Osprey stuffed the Scarlets, but he he looked like. He looked really mature behind a pack that was getting absolutely mullered. Like he's played really well all season. And I, I don't know, it's going to be interesting what he does at outside half as well because Carlham Sheedy's playing well again. And there's no bigger, there's no Anscom that, that's, you know, the, those are big losses from an experience point of view. So it'd be interesting to see what he does at outside half as well. Because um, I look at Johan Lloyd and he's the form 10. But I also think, well, is he a bit too small for Gatlin's liking? You know, he's he's, you know, he's seen as an attack-minded 10. You know, he he's a step, but he takes some risks. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does at outside half as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose the other thing to, to mention is that Sam Costello's currently injured, so it, Gatlin's hand might be forced a little bit on that. I think having Kai Evans as a fullback, he saves a goal-kicking option, would maybe allow you to to go down towards that, that Johan Lloyd. Um Root. going back maybe to sort of towards Max Nagy and, and, and Hugh Sutton obviously the work you do with the university pathway I mean I think we spoke about it last year at a, at a sort of launch at the Arms Park for the Bucks League and about how important it was that the role that Swansea Uni Cardiff Uni Cardiff Met are all doing it's arguably even more important now isn't it given where Welsh rugby is in terms of the squads and um, and the budget sizes. Obviously, I think the year that you were named was it Bucks Coach of the Year. You look at that that team of the year, and you know there's a couple of boys in there who are currently starting for the Scarlets week in week out. Um, you know, several more probably from sort of team of the years. From, from they're going to head into to regional rugby. It, it's just a very important pathway right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is because it also gives people time, especially front five, because actually doesn't kick in until 21, 22. And we're going to make a call on these guys at 18 to 21, and they're not playing regular semi pro. And especially with the league changing now, we're going to have less games to judge these players on. And for me, and also rugby's sustainability is a short period of time. You can't have a career like Halloween. Not everyone can be that professional. Your body lasts that long. That's a special kind of player. 
to leave university with a d- degree, then focus on rugby, then not to worry that when you do retire, you've got something in your back pocket to use, a master's, a degree, just like being able to become an electrician or a plumber on the side. We can't just focus on these guys who are going to play rugby for the whole career. Look, look how many people retiring and these nasty injuries because rugby's become a different animal. Um, so not just the university have given you buy your time to play rugby, it also helps develop people, become sustainable. That rugby isn't just the end goal for them. That they can play for the next five or ten years. Then when they do finish, there's something to support them. They've got a degree. So for me, I, I think that's important as well to show that we can't just think we're going to go to academy players, professional rugby players, internationals, they're going to earn over some money, finish. You know, not all of us can have an alcohol company or coffee shop and some people have had a tough lifestyle and have four or five year career, but at least those four or five years, they can focus on rugby. They've got a degree in the back pocket. You know, they've got a trade. They've got, like Dali did farming. These guys can be sustainable. Rugby isn't an end goal for some people. It's just a period of their life for 10 years. So I think the university, and it kind of breeds that kind of understanding. I find a lot of the boys who come 18 are a bit young and when they leave, 21, 22, they're quite mature with the decision-making. I find that they're better better people and better all-rounders. For example, we celebrate the small wins. I had a, a released hooker um, come into the university from the Ospreys, Karen Lloyd, and he left you with a master's and he's working in London with a great job. He's playing for London Scottish. So for me, that's a great win as well for the university. For me, that's I'm proud of that as well. Not just the Max and Aggies, you I'm proud of the guys leaving, going to work in London full-time with a great job. I'm playing rugby semi-professionally or amateur. I've got boys then like Gwyn Parks, who's came over from Exeter, released from Exeter Academy, came to us, was phenomenal. I think he was named Player of the Year for our team. Played for Amtel at the Paul Turner. I think he was named in the English Championship Team of the Week. So for me, these are wins as well, because they're not playing professional rugby, regional rugby. These guys are still uh, excellent. I think hopefully, I think Gwyn's still got, still a young 10, I hopefully will step into a English you know, professional team. But for me, we've got to look at those wins as well. They're leaving you with a degree or Masters. They're sustainable, got a job, I'm still playing the game of rugby that they love. Um, not all of us can be getting a professional and think we can stay a long time and be successful. It's a tough, tough uh, machine and rugby will spit you out. It's not football. We haven't got that luxury of having millions of pounds being reserved goalkeeper. No, there's no some guys there who are living with mum and dad are on twenty, thirty thousand pounds and they're playing professional rugby. So it's not as luxury as people think watching from the outside in. Some people love the game and they will fight for the game. But there's no danger money. There's not millions of pounds in the back pocket for these young guys retiring. Um, so being self-aware with a rugby degree, a rugby and a degree, I think guy, these guys can be a bit more relaxed and enjoy the rugby a bit more. Absolutely. And I mean, in Wales, we always, the pathway is, is spoken about so much. You know, you look at the last 20 years, I don't think, well, we still don't really know what, what to do with the premiership, do we? And, you know, the academies, you spoke about university being that that sort of all-round thing in terms of the education side, but maybe in terms of the rugby side of it as well, it could be that maybe that happy medium between the Premiership and the academies because, you know, you look at the Premiership and it gives you that sort of, that that passion of, of playing against, you know, playing for clubs where it means something, but is it is it far enough? Is it too far from the, the professional game? And then the academies maybe is the, the inverse where you are connected to the professional side, but... Do the games mean anything in terms of development? Bucks rugby probably sits somewhere right in the middle of that, doesn't it? 
Yeah, there's relegation. There's there's money on the line. There's relegation to where we know students come to come and play Super Bucks rugby. Don't forget when you play against Loughborough, you're playing against teams that play weekends and Saturday. The team, like we've got analysis full time. You got you reviewing clips of the handle. We have we work with Rory Pittman, ex Ospreys as guards, head of the game nutrition. So we're travelling on a bus today. We got pack lunches for the boys, just like what Wales do. So we know we support our players just the nutrition. We've got Lloyd Ashley now working with us. With our sports scholars, though, with their support, the system like people like we've got Isaac Young now, who's with the Scars, he's still in university, went to South Africa. We've got a support network for him to have to move some of his work around to support him while he's playing in South Africa. So it is a professional piece where they're studying students, but it has almost become a, an academy league in itself. Now, you play against Bath, the biggest one is undefeated extra this season. You've got players there I know on £20,000 contracts, but they played full time university rugby and they're phenomenal players. Dav Jenkins played one or two games against us. And he got called up to Exeter and he called up and his tradition went flying that way. Um, so there's some players there who play one or two games with Bucks rugby, but they will move very fast. Teddy Leatherbow played four years of Loughborough, and now he's playing for Scarlet. So some guys will move fast for the ranks, and some guys will play the four years, then move into a pro environment. So but being able to do that and have that flexibility with the university and support our student athletes is huge. Can I just ask as well, obviously from your experience of coaching at Welsh Prem level, obviously we got this elite development competition coming in, um, if that gets off the off the ground, because we, we know there's issues with, with Cardiff clubs. The argument's always been, I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but some people would say the gap between Welsh Prem and regional level needs to be bridged, and presumably this is what they're trying to do here. What's your whole take on this new competition coming in? Is it needed? Do you think it could be beneficial? What, what's your general thoughts on it? I think something's got to change because the gap is too big. And if you look at the Welsh Premiership, it's different for Swansea. People can say that uh, where we are. It's money ball. So the more money you pay, the better players you get. And it's kind of that kind of... That's how it works. Um with this new league, it's supposed to be working around the, during times. So we'll have more of the transition players, more of the younger guys playing together on a regular basis. Will that support their development then, playing underneath more competitive games, less games, but more competitive? Uh, then you still have the Premiership. It's almost reverted to the Championship. So it's quite it's quite mixed up, but, but something's got to change, I personally believe. what is like For me, what is the purpose of the Welsh Premiership? You win a trophy at the end, but what are we doing as a group? You know, some really good, exciting games and... But like for me, great for us as a group that Morgan Morse played his first game for us and he's got through and he's that for me that's a win. But we didn't win many, many games playing those transition players. But for me, we had loads of our wins were playing Keen High, who's 18 years old as a tight dead prop. Would any of the clubs do that? Um and for me, he's gonna get his game time, but then eventually we can he'll have he'll have twenty games by the age of nineteen, twenty. There's not many tight dead prop that age doing that. But then for me, we were not gonna probably be put ourselves in a in a title top four position by playing these young guys but for me then what is our purpose and what is like you said then what is the pathway what are we what is the end goal are we trying to produce these players to play pro rugby or are we winning trophies and doing the same time and it's kind of we're not sure at the minute what is the pathway and what are we kind of doing with the premiership people have their own different take this is my take so like I mean you speak to someone like A.O. Evans or Jason Hyatt they all got their own beliefs my belief is End of the day, rugby is going almost on a, a, into like a reboot system now, especially in Wales, that we're kind of having a better kind of outline what we're doing. But rugby, the whole you hear about Mario Toji in Sarsons, he's going now or loses money. 
So rugby at the minute is on a, on a, on a knife edge. What we're going to decide, what we're going to do with it. Do we kind of make the product different and try to change things up, or do we stay at old and knuckle down? So I think something's going to change. And if this league is the one we play these youngsters on a regular basis, is it going to be televised? Are the games going to be exciting? Are we going to put professional refs in the environment? Are we going to turn it into a proper environment to, to excel, excite the brand of rugby, or are we going to turn it into must-win games and about trophies? So I don't know kind of the aspect of what is the league and what it's going to become, but I think something's going to change um, for the greater good, as they say. Yeah, in, obviously, as we said, like there's... I think the the term to use is like Welsh rugby is going through a period of austerity then, and it has to to otherwise you know you would probably have one team go to the wall. I would have thought, but um, gee, there's a lot of emphasis now on um, they have to do it because the budgets have gone down on giving young players opportunities. Um, and I know it's people haven't got a crystal ball. It's difficult. There are some players like. When George North came through, you knew straight away he was going to win a lot of caps. And other players where you're on the fence a bit. As somebody who works, you know, you, you work with the Uni, the Ospreys, the Swans, the RFC, do you, are you excited by the next generation of player? Do you think we've got players that can eventually come through and challenge where they got in Ireland, England? And, you know, you get a point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Look, COVID hit us hard. I personally think COVID hit us. Um, we're feeling the effects financially. And kind of player that people lost a bit of love a game, especially semi pro as well. That people had the weekends again. I thought this is worth me going out and playing. That kind of older period, though, those players in the 30s kind of left and you're trying to build it back up. During that time, a lot of players now playing rugby, no contact, no rugby, no visuals of rugby. So we lost kind of a generation there. Um, we're on a rebuild. I'm really excited about the generation like people are 15, 16 now coming through, 17 coming through now. Uh, the Swansea School boys who won the deal with Shield is a really good contingent there coming through. So I think we've got to rebuild again. Um, but like, you see Morgan Morse when you see him in the card. I mean, you saw him a couple of years ago. And I see him in the you know, semi-pro environment. People saying he's a phenomenal talent, but he's still got massive work on. So I personally believe that Morgan Morse will be a Russian international, but he ain't going to do that just playing once every couple of weeks here and then. So we need to kind of put, if he's available, what is his goal and how to get him through those environments. I am excited. There's some really good talent out there. I think COVID has hit us as a whole group. That's everybody. So we're in a rebuild. But we're going back. Like I said, I think it'll be another season too. You see really good phenomenal athletes. I think the 20s showed that. I think Dan Edwards, that group of players, um, you know, the 20s before during the COVID period with Harry Deeves' age, that was quite difficult. And you see a couple of come through. But the Wales 20s and the Mark Jones has gone now. I think there's a couple of really good times. I think they will break through. And I think the 20s again this year will break through again. I think the cycle will can repeat. Um, but it is, I am excited. But as a rugby as whole, like I said, what are we looking for? What is our end goal? What are we trying to produce? Are we, you know, are we trying to get bite our lips now? We'll bite knuckle down and work hard. And like, we're not winning many trophies, but then in two or three years' time, we'll produce enough players that we can succeed. I, I, I came through a, uh, uh, with the Dragons off the Scots and myself and Dan Lydia played I think we played 21 games that season off the bench playing semi-pro and look at Dan I remember coming seeing Dan and Dan was just breaking through and look what Dan ended up now so I think there will be players breaking through but I think the, the larger group that are coming to come through are two or three years behind us now will be coming through because they've caught up with COVID they've played a lot of rugby in school now the new team with Shields set up has helped I think that will push our way through 
No, absolutely. It, a lot a lot of this is all it's all led by necessity. I mean, you look at we haven't touched on the Cardiff win on the on the weekend against the Stormers and I think the team that finished that game, I think ten of the, the fifteen left on the field at full time were under the age of twenty four. And there there's so many risks in, in Welsh rugby right now where you, you worry that you could damage players long term by exposing them. But I think Cardiff right now is maybe one place where that you're not sensing that. They they've played six games, they've only won two of them, but they've been in every they've been in every one. You know, there's not been any thrashings, there's not been any low points. And there's actually been a lot of bright talent. I thought, you know, we've mentioned Cam Winner, who's looked really good. Um I mean, it's easy to forget Mason Grady's 21 because he he looks like Friday night, he just looked like a test rugby player. You know, it's just swatting off South Africans. Um, I thought Mackenzie Martin came off the bench for his competitive debut and looked superb. Mackenzie played the week before against, for Cardiff against Swansea. And he was gaining, like, I, you know, i seen him before and I thought, but he played really well for Cardiff against Swansea. No, they beat us 22-12. I thought he was a phenomenal ball carrier. Physical, he stepped well. He's a big man, and then funny enough, I caught the Cardiff game. He's playing, so either it was an injury or they've watched that and rewarded him. So he, he is physical. I think. He, I think. I think he, he looks the game fine. He's a good athlete. He did well in the World Cup, Junior World Cup. I thought he did really well for Cardiff against us for against Swansea. And he saw that probably. But look, you had Els Jenkins around him. You had people around him that kind of support. I think if you have eight of that pack on the age of twenty, you're gonna have a struggle. But it's a good blend. I think if you blend a team. A couple of senior players. And I'm an Irish Jenkins. You that Mike, I think someone mic'd them up and I think the clip they showed how he speaks. There's a bit of a, there's a leader there and you support the new you know, and the young guys will make mistakes. They will make mistakes. They all will. You no, know, I think uh, Lynn Jones told me, you no, know, Lynn Jones, famous Lynn Jones told me, you're gonna make two thousand mistakes to get to become a really good pro. How many mistakes have you done? He told me, I think not that much. We're not gonna be a great pro until you make those mistakes. So Yes, they're going to make mistakes, but if we can nurture and keep them you know, in an environment that it rewards them, look, work on this, but reward them and reward them, I think we'll see in two or three years' time an exciting bunch of players, but I think it will be a tough time that they will make mistakes and they will probably lose a game here and there, but it's exciting if we look at the positivity from, you said, Cam Winnett, McKenzie, they're going to be exciting group of players in a couple of years' time. Absolutely. It probably helps the environment they're in in terms of what Mass Sherritt wants to do. I mean, he's he set it all out. He wants to play exciting brand of rugby. He wants them to be brave and bold with ball in hand, which, you know, sometimes as a coach, you can almost, you can be damned with faint praise for that. You can go, oh, that's, that's an admirable thing. But, you know, really you've got to play territory and, and, you know, you've got to be smart to win games. But I think where Welsh rugby is at right now, Almost, you know, we're losing enough battles off the pitch that it makes sense just to be like that, to be to be bold, to be brave, and just let's see how many people we can leave see leave the Arms Park on a Friday night with a smile on their face. If we win, if we lose, you know, and that I think that's maybe the perfect environment for where Cardiff are right now, and, and for a lot of those young players, it, it allows them to make those mistakes in a in a place where you know, as long as they're going for a positive result, they can develop. I think I think a fan. I think people appreciate that more. If you live and die by that sword, like you live on, like no, like are we going to go out and play? If we lose, we lose. But at least there's a performance out there. 
you could win a game 6-3 and you'd be like, that was the worst game, but we won. And you, you still probably talk about the negativity. That's what people are, especially sometimes in Wales. We always probably look at the negative sides and positive. Now, even if they if they would have lost that game on Friday, if they could if they lost, I still thought Cardiff were excellent. But so if we're looking at probably performance-based results, or we're looking at just winning. And it's going to be tough for the regions to win every week. But if we judge on performances, that was a really good game of rugby. Like, oh, that, no. Um, so going with that Dragons game, I know they lost heavily. I, I'd been in a Dragons environment and we lost the regular, but the fans would back us if we fought for something and then we gave something. And everyone, I know, I, I don't know if it's right or wrong to say that, but everyone's on, on Twitter and everyone online saying they rolled over. No, we were not there to judge that. I couldn't tell you that. But I've been on losing sides in the Dragons and we've been roared about fans afterwards by not giving up and trying these moves and trying things. I think, like you said then, if Match doesn't do that and people have smiles on their faces and you hear Jack Jenkins' reaction when Mason Green scored that lineup try, everyone's whooping, everyone's hollering, everyone's smiling, everyone's fun. I think more we can have a product on the pitch and it's engaged by the fans and everyone's trying the hardest, everyone's trying something, we're not being negative and everyone's going for those small margins. I think it builds a bit more of a good atmosphere and I, th- and I still go back to it. You win a game 12-9 or 12-6 and the game is rubbish, Everyone will tell you how bad that game is. The man who won the game, I'm not paying my money to watch that rugby. I mean, it is about, I think we've got to go out there and have a performance-based attitude and, and give something and, and build a product. I know it's hard. It's easy for me to say that in an environment about development, but in an environment where wins and losses do matter because there's money in the game. But if you try to flip a mic and look, it's performance-based, we create a product that is going to be enjoyable. And if we lose games, we lose. But if we win, but everyone's going to talk about the positivity that Mackenzie, as Jenkins, these people are high fiving. So I think it's going to be, it's a difficult place where rugby's at the minute. It's easy for me on a podcast to say, yeah, try these things when I haven't got millions behind me and the pressure from a board of directors and an owner. But I think like you said, like a match that is done, he's gone and gone. I'm going to play some rugby and these young guys are going to go enjoy themselves. And that hasn't been a bad product so far in Park. No, it hasn't. You, you mentioned the Dragons there. We'll touch on that defeat in South Africa. Obviously, I think it was a, a record league defeat for them in, in Durban. Um, <laughs> I mean, the the worst thing for Dave Flanagan is just, he, he'd gone out there with a, I suppose, a, a, a slightly understrength squad anyway. And, and the injuries then he suffers early on. He lost Will Reed, lost Kai Evans. He hasn't got Angus O'Brien. I mean, looking ahead to the the game against the Lions this weekend, I don't know. Does Matt O'Brien get, get dragged out of the coaching ranks to uh, to start? He'd probably be like Dan Fish and Harlequins in the in the. In the he'll probably have man the match performance. Uh, four dummies, cross field kick, chip and chase five meters out. He's a phenomenal player and a, and a great coach as well. And I feel bad for not bad for Die. Die's a phenomenal coach, and they showed what they could do against the Ospreys. I thought they did really well against the Ospreys. Some great tries, and you know they matched it up front. But that was a tough game, and, and I feel, you know, being as a squad member in the Dragons of the past, it is tough. And biggest thing for me to say, if they put a performance on now next game, that score kind of will be a little bit forgotten. It'd be chip shop wrapping paper. Um, if they put a performance in, are they going to win? I don't know. But if they put a performance in, defend well, be physical, try to match South Africans. No, it, it is a performance there. What would we all say now? They dug in, they fought well, and we'll forget about the last score, the, the high scoring game. So I think, yet again, the Dragons are not worried about the winning the game. It's about performance now when people staying up. And, like, and having, kind of, having a look at these younger players playing, 
and that's a big thing for me. Um, the biggest thing for me is that is, are we going to be performance based or not? And it's going to be tough for, for the Dragons, but I know there's good characters in that group, really good characters in there. I know they won't be do- doom and gloom and they dwell on it. They probably want to fight and kind of show people that we didn't roll over, we didn't get our bellies tickled. It's kind of blipping the game. And uh, I know Dai will be, won't be negative. He probably show kind of work on, so he'll be positive the next game. Dai's a really positive guy. And I think that's why you see a couple of young guys really respond well to Dai Flanagan. Absolutely. Um, Steph, I guess, coming to the end of the podcast, um, we touched on the, the, the Lions-Dragons game there, but looking ahead to this weekend, I mean... Ospreys, they're heading to Italy um, for a trip against, uh, for a match against Benetton. That's not an easy one by any means, is it? Um, do you see them backing up that performance, though? I, I see them backing up the performance, but tell you one thing, Benetton are on fire at the moment. They had a great win against Edinburgh. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're now, uh, they're more than a banana skin. You know, they're a team that should be respected. Um, I think they they've earned the right to have their respect, and that's going to be it's going to be a really tough game to win. But I think what the Ospreys have got is that the, the key fundamentals of the game, like set piece, um, just winning the collisions, breakdown. Um, I think um, the halfbacks have done well. Um, Walsh has, has played well. Um, I think he's been, been underrated, and, and Ruben Morgan Williams stepped up. So I think when you've got those key key elements of your game, and the Ospreys will go out there, and I can't. I can't see the Ospreys being out-muscled. I think they can put themselves... They're good enough to put themselves in a position to win the game. And then it's, it's about taking their chances. So I think they have got the ability to go out there and win. Yeah, but it'll, it'll be a tough game. And they're going back-to-back as well, in the Cup as well. They got oh, yeah, yeah. So it's not. It's going to be a, a really interesting two weeks, the Ospreys, because <laughs> they play them twice. Yeah. So... Um, like for me, the the they're not they're not the team that you turn over and pick up a point. They are a very good outfit as well. They're not just an Italian team. I see in the fight, they're scoring some good tries. They got a good set piece. They've got a good backline as well to support that pack. So it is a tough place to go. And uh, you tell a few boys to go there on a Friday night or Saturday. Those flies and and, and kill you as well. Um, <laughs> those insects out there as well, literally. Um, but it, it'll be. It'll be a tough two weeks for the Ospreys, especially depth-wise with squad. Um, it's going to be physical because one thing you know when you play against Italians, you've been in the game with them. Um, you know you're going to pick up a few bumps or soreness and you're going to repeat that the following week. So there's two tough games coming up. Absolutely. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Injuries is is dictating a large part of the season just with smaller squads. You know, that's higher training intensities, boys doing more reps and it, it is going to take its toll. I think the other thing, obviously the, the main thing this weekend is another Welsh derby. We've had a lot of Welsh derbies recently and it feels like each one you've got a team heading into it looking to redeem themselves from a previous derby defeat. You know, the Ospreys managed to do that last weekend after their defeat against the Dragons. This time it's the Scarlets. They're heading to the Arms Park. Given where they are, they're obviously bottom of the league and they really are struggling at the start of the season. Can we? Can you see them turning it around this weekend for the game against Cardiff? I think, I think it might be closer than people think because Cardiff obviously playing expansive brand of rugby, and when when you draw the Scarlets into that sort of game, that's when they're dangerous. They have got good individual players like Tommy Rogers mentioned, Johan Lloyd earlier. Um, I really like Joe Roberts as well. Um, we got John, Johnny McNichols good in an open game and and via Fafita. So 
in Welsh Derby's form can go out the window and they have got a decent record there. So I wouldn't totally rule Scarlet out. But I think the problem they got is it's, it's a confidence one. That That's going to be Dwayne P's challenge, isn't it? Like, you know, pulling them up from the from the floor and, and instilling that confidence back into them. Because the Ospreys played really well on Sunday, but the Scarlet's just, they looked out to sorts. I always expected the Ospreys to win, but I thought it might have been a bit closer than that. They, they just never looked like they were truly at the races. So that's, that's going to be the challenge for them. But Cardiff now, you know, as we said, you know, they've lost a few games, but they could easily have won all their games. And they got a bit of momentum behind them. They had a great win against the uh, the Stormers. So I think they're, they're firm favourites. So I'll say Cardiff will win, but I think maybe it'll be a, a bit closer than some people think because uh, Scarlett's have a point to prove as well. Absolutely. I, I think with the scars, a lot of pride there as well. I think the boys wouldn't have wouldn't have been happy. Like you no know, people like lose a game. I don't think they would have happy losing to the right like the derby that match like that way. You've seen the frustration with Dwayne as well after the game. When caught, uh, I was speaking to the pundits, I didn't think he was very happy. And he was clear he was disappointed with the contact area. Repeated that message. They were bullying the contact area. I think you might see him over an edgy scars team would bring a bit more you no know, physicality, a bit more speed of breakdown, speed of things. It just depends on Cardiff bring. Are they going to change the way they play? Are they going to try to change, seeing what the Ospreys did, are they going to change the mentality and try, look, we're going to keep it scrum and line of dominant? Or are they going to like match its way, keep playing rugby against them? If you do that, it's tick for tack. I think the Scots will enjoy that kind of brand of rugby as well. So I think it will be, a fingers crossed, a dry, exciting game in the Arms Park. Absolutely. Hopefully it will be. An exciting game full of running rugby. That's what we're hoping to see. Um, that's it for today's podcast. A massive thanks to Hugh for joining us and Steph, as always. If you have enjoyed the podcast, do make sure to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. It does help us massively. And until next time, goodbye.